Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God for our meditation is recorded in Genesis chapter 32. Let us hear verses 9 through 12 and 24 to 26. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good, and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Fellow redeemed. When a family reunion is coming up, what feelings do you experience? Excitement? Joy? How about fear and anxiety? If you haven't seen a family member for some time, you may wonder, will they recognize me? What if they've changed? What if I've changed? If you last parted on bad terms, you may wonder whether they've forgiven or forgotten. Our text finds Jacob on the eve of a family reunion. This reunion filled Jacob with fear and dread. You see, he was about to be reunited with his twin brother, Esau. Twenty years before, they parted on what weren't exactly peaceful terms. Jacob had tricked a weak and famished Esau into selling his birthright for a bowl of stew. Later, Jacob disguised himself as his notably hairier brother Esau to trick their old and blind father Isaac into giving him the blessing of the firstborn. When all this was brought to light, Esau was furious and sought to kill Jacob. For the past 20 years, Jacob was on the lam. He fled to his uncle Laban's to start a new life. During the years in Aram, the home of Laban, the Lord blessed Jacob. The relationship between Jacob and Laban represented a kind of wrestling match in which each one tried to gain an advantage over the other. When it came to being tricky, Jacob met his match in Laban. Laban repeatedly changed Jacob's wages. After Jacob had worked seven years for Laban to be given the hand of his daughter Rachel in marriage, Laban deceived Jacob so that he unknowingly married his older daughter Leah instead. Only after seven more years of working for him would Laban allow Jacob to marry Rachel. Finally, the Lord told Jacob to return to Canaan. The journey home was going along safely until Jacob's messengers brought news to him 
that Esau was coming to meet him with 400 men. Jacob anticipated the meeting with his brother in great fear and distress. When Jacob heard the news his messengers had brought him, he anticipated a hostile confrontation with Jacob. He immediately took steps to minimize his losses if the meeting with his brother turned ugly and led to bloodshed. He divided the people who were with him, as well as his livestock, into two groups. If Esau's men attacked one group, perhaps the other would escape. Then he had a talk with God. Jacob's prayer to God before meeting Esau is a model prayer, which can teach us much to improve our own prayer life. This prayer, along with Jacob's mysterious wrestling match with God, teaches us to wrestle with God in prayer. Up to this point in his life, Jacob had taken matters into his own hands. What brought Jacob to turn to the Lord in prayer at this point of his life? Prayer grows out of a desperate need. He expresses fear of his brother Esau, that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. While Jacob had done everything humanly possible to ensure the safety of his family and possessions, dividing up the group and sending half across the stream, he knew that he was truly helpless on his own. Like Jacob, we like to be in control. Our sinful flesh is prone to self-reliance. We think that we can handle things on our own and think that we know best what we need and how to obtain it. Since this is the case, the Lord may allow some difficulty to enter into our lives to teach us to rely solely on Him and His promises to us. In his desperate need, Jacob confessed his unworthiness to have God answer his prayer. He prayed humbly, not like the Pharisee in the temple who presented God with a bill of his good deeds that God should reward him for. Instead, Jacob prayed like the penitent tax collector. Jacob said, I am not worthy of the least of the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. What a far cry this humility is from the attitude Jacob had displayed earlier in life, when his motto seemed to be, I'm entitled to this. I'm going to make sure I get it. So also when we pray to God, we begin by confessing our un, un, unworthiness and our indebtedness to God for all that we are and have. Jacob realized very well that he had no right to come barging into God's throne room and expect him to hear him out. Jacob appeals to God's steadfast love, his mercy, the kindness he shows us believers, not because we deserve it, but because of his promises to us. When in his prayer Jacob appeals to God's faithfulness, he couldn't help contrasting it with the fickleness he had given God in return. Jacob prayed, Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, 
lest he come and attack me and the mothers with the children. Twenty years earlier, Jacob wouldn't have been ready to say that. At that time in his life, he might have said, let's see, I've got to think of a way to outsmart Esau. That shouldn't be too difficult. I did it once. I ought to be able to do it again. Not now. Now his prayer was, save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau. Note how he left it to God to work out some method of delivering him from Esau. From Jacob's example, we learn to wrestle with God in prayer, that we admit our inability by ourselves to handle the problems we face and to declare our total dependence on God. Then we can, with all boldness, ask God for whatever we need for this life and the next. As Jacob was agonizing in prayer alone, he soon realized that he wasn't alone. Suddenly, he was embroiled in a wrestling match with an unnamed opponent. Later, the man's identity was revealed. Jacob was wrestling with God himself. This struggle was more than just a spiritual struggle of prayer alone. This was an actual wrestling match that lasted all night. Just to be sure, Jacob would know that he wasn't dreaming Jacob came away from it with a lifelong limp. Why would God appear to one of his children and challenge them to a wrestling match? Surely not to crush the life out of him. If he wanted to crush Jacob, the wrestling match could have been over in a second. We might think it strange that God should in this way test and try the faith and patience of those who come to him. Yet he does this to teach us a valuable lesson. It is his way of increasing our faith, of making it stronger through a more complete and unconditional dependence on him and his saving love. To wrestle with God in prayer means persistently praying, when God seems unwilling to answer our prayers, we think, for example, of the Canaanite woman who came to Jesus, asking him to heal her daughter, persistently praying until she received what she requested. In wrestling with God in prayer, prayer exhibits a confident faith. Where does this confidence come from? This confidence comes from clinging to God's promises. From Jacob's prayer, we learn to remind God of his promises. Jacob appealed to God's promises, especially those with which concerned the future of his chosen people through the blessed seed. Jacob prayed, But you said, I will surely do you good, and make your offspring as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered in multitude. In other words, if Esau comes here tomorrow, and puts my household to the sword, your promise would fail. Lord of the covenant, keep your promise. Since God has given his son to be our savior, we can be sure that he will also give us everything else we truly need, or that will serve our eternal welfare. As St. Paul says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? This is the clenching argument which we should use whenever we doubt that God wants us to have some good thing. We can 
be entirely certain in light of the cross of Christ that God's ways with us will always and in every respect be ways of mercy and truth. Jacob simply prayed, Lord, you promised. As Martin Luther wrote, the only ground on which godly men can stand in times of trouble is God's word. In his almighty love, the amazing God came to Jacob and allowed him to wrestle away blessings from the hand of God. God did not want Jacob to be timid with him. In fact, God delighted to let Jacob win that victory over him on the basis of humble, believing prayer. Jacob held on to God even when he appear, appeared as his opponent, and he won a blessing. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Prayer receives God's rich blessings. What blessings did Jacob receive? For one thing, God gave him a new name. What is your name? The Lord asked him, not because he had forgotten, but to remind Jacob that he had been a heel grabber, one who took unfair advantage of a rival. That old name no longer fit this man, so God gave him a new one. Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with man and have overcome. Bible names are more than convenient labels for people. Here Jacob's new name describes the new nature and character the Spirit of God had patiently and painstakingly created in him. No longer would he rely on his own cleverness to overcome anyone who opposed him. The heel grabber had become the persistent fighter who clung to God's promise and won God's blessing legitimately. He had learned to lean on God. Israel means one who prevails over God. This new name became a constant reminder to Jacob of the blessings he received from the hand of God, blessings received only by grace. He was heir of all the blessings of salvation. His one offspring would come to win. Another blessing Jacob received from wrestling with God was that he was free from the terror that had gripped his heart when he learned Esau was coming for him with 400 men. Now with the Savior's promise ringing in his ears, he was ready to meet Esau, ready for whatever surprises that new day might bring. From now on, Jacob showed himself as one indeed, one who indeed has to pass through many trials and sorrows, but who meets them patiently, looks forward to that heavenly country that he would reach at the end of his earthly pilgrimage. God wants all his people to be Israel's too. By faith in Jesus, we are children of our Heavenly Father and have the privilege of being able to come before God in prayer any time or any place, knowing he will hear and answer our prayers when we pray in Jesus' name. As Jacob did, God wants all his children to wrestle with God in prayer. 
boldly and confidently seeking his blessings. May God, by his Holy Spirit of prayer, help us to become true Israelites who take him at his word and wrestle with him till he blesses us with every temporal and eternal blessing for the sake of his steadfast love and faithfulness. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Grant us, we beseech you by your Holy Spirit, that he may strengthen our hearts and confirm our faith and hope in your grace and mercy, so that, although we have reason to fear because of our conscience, our sin, and our unworthiness, we may nevertheless hold fast to your grace, and in every trial and temptation find you a present help and refuge through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. Oh,